not ending the fun, just continuing it. That's what we're doing. Hey, uh, I, I, I feel proud of y'all regularly, but today I'm just sitting over there just swelling with uh, hopefully a healthy pride because because you just witnessed this service and the service prior and at all six campuses, folks are being baptized because you love your neighbors, which is what we set out to do when we started Radius. We set out to be a church where the folks as a part of the body love their neighbors. So when you saw other people in the pool helping baptize, those there was a father in there, there were neighbors in there, there were friends in the pool because they love their neighbors and so they're participating in the baptism, which is what, what we dreamed about. On your way out, you'll see, this, you'll see our mission statement, Raised Church Exists to Glorify God by making disciples, planting churches, and living generously. And so we're going to keep after it. Today, I'm very proud to uh, uh, introduce a friend of mine. This is David Kaya. He's from halfway around the world in South Sudan. And they do what we have on our wall, but they do it better than we do, all right? He speaks, his English isn't quite as good as mine. It's kind of close. But he speaks nine languages. I only speak two languages, right? Like, like broken English and English. That's, that's, that's my two languages. David speaks nine languages, and you're going to really enjoy him as really, really you're going to get to hear what God is doing through he and a bunch of folks like you in South Sudan that are loving their neighbors and sharing Christ with their community. It's all yours. Thank you. Thank you, church. I bring greetings from our churches, our churches in DRC Congo, in Uganda, in South Sudan, and our churches in Sudan, and churches in Chad. We are so grateful for this invitation and for the opportunity that God has given us, and for the welcome that you people have given to me. Praise the Lord. When we say in Africa, praise the Lord, people say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. A little bit be a little bit loud only today. I know it is a quiet, quiet church. But in Africa, we make a lot of noise. Praise the Lord. That is it. Now you are Africans. (laughs) Yeah, I bring greetings also from my family. God gave me uh, six children. In America, they will say, those children are too many. (laughs) But for us, they will say, David, you are very strong enough. Why are you lazy? (laughs) Most of our guys have 12 children and beyond. And I opted to get the three children. But in Africa, we value children and boys so much. It is our tradition. I don't know why. So the first child we got, I thought it was a boy, we got a girl. The second one, we thought it's a boy, we got a girl. The third one, we prayed and we thought it's a boy, the girl came. (laughs) So I told my wife, we are done with this journey. (laughs) And she said, no, 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 no. We need to get the boy. So we tried to get the fourth one. We actually prayed so much and fasted. Sometimes we fast with selfishness. So we got a girl. <laughs> and I said, woman, this is the children enough. They will become a little bit expensive. Say, no, we need a boy. We prayed, we got the boy. Oh. And I said, praise the Lord, we got the boy. Now from here, we need to stop. And she said, no, this boy need a brother. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So we got the sixth child. She looks like a boy, but she's a girl. <laughs> so I say, woman, it's enough. From here, I'm not proceeding. No journey, no journey. So we ended there. I am bringing for you messages from Africa. Today, your pulpit is taken up by an African, so I will be preaching African message. If I offend you, it's okay, because I'll be gone. Okay? <laughs> and you will not see me here for a year. And when I come back, I think you might have forgotten of what I've said. <laughs> so I'm here to preach about the ministry of God. And what I'm speaking about is the ministry of God is costly. The ministry of God is costly. And what God intended for us is costly. When I came to church some years ago, I came because I felt Jesus Christ called me. It's just the same way. Today we are witnessing this baptism here. What I brought was my sins. I came with full of my sin, and I want to be saved. But I didn't know that Jesus Christ had planned something for me that I should do. And when I stepped into my own salvation, Jesus Christ said, come, serve me. And the ministry became costly. It is easy to be baptized. It is easy to celebrate baptism. But the journey after here, God has something for you to do. You are not called only to be forgiven of, of your sins. But he has called you to do many things. And these many things will happen immediately after your baptism. And God is intending to change the world through you and through your contribution in the kingdom of God. I want you to turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 1 to 10. And I'm going to deal with some few things. And I'm going to preach in the way how we preach in Africa. This is what the Bible says in verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, always plead with you, not to receive the grace of God in vain. God, he says, we then, he talked about many things. If you go to chapter 5, he said, now you are an ambassador of Christ, an ambassador of God. You are a minister of God, a fellow person in the body of Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now you have been called into the ministry of Christ, and the body of Christ. So the Bible says, we then, Paul says, we then, as workers of, together with God, we are workers together with God. God has called us to work together with him. The first time I was with the Anglican church, when I stepped out of the Anglican church, started planting churches, the first week I took eight people for baptism, just like this, and I baptized all those eight guys, and that one marked the beginning of my temptation and my persecution among many people because they believed baptism by immersion was heresy. And they started fighting me, and they started fighting my family. And I lost my family because of working for Christ. What I did was I did not stand back and say, because you people are fighting me, 
I should stop it. I know that it is the word of God. And I did it what God wants us to do. And exactly that's what God called me to do. So here is what God is calling you. And now you have come to the Lord. You have been baptized. Have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. God is calling you for work. You may not know what you are here for. You may not know why you are baptized. After baptism, it's the mission of God. After baptism, it is you to change the world. You need to change the world and bring the world to Christ. It's the same thing that this and those who brought you to Christ, you have now joined the army of Christ, that you should be part of the work that you do. And when I started ministry, and I started doing, first of all, after seminary, I was pumped up with the word of God, and I didn't know how even I could start a church. I pick up my Bible with four people, four people. We started Bible study. In a, week's, in, a, in a month's time, our church grew. The first baptism I did was 75 people. I baptized 75 people because I was the only person who was around. I had to baptize all those guys myself. And baptize people, 75 of them. Some of them are light, some of them are heavy. I did that. For a month, I couldn't raise up my hand. That's what God did. And after that, it became a trial on me. People started fighting me. Physically, I was tortured. Physically, I was beaten because of doing that. But out of that, we planted three churches. Three churches were planted. And when those churches were planted, we thank God that the church started growing quicker and quickly. And this is what the Bible says. You have been called, and I have been called. And I'm called as a co-worker. I'm not called to the church to come and sit in the church. I'm to find my place and serve God. You are to find your place and serve God. Where can you fit in the body of Christ as a co-worker with him? Because he called you for a purpose. He didn't call you only to sow it out, but also to leave it out. And he said, I plead with you that you should not receive the grace of God in vain. I'm pleading with you. Do something. Are you in the body of Christ? Do something. Get the word out. Talk to your neighbors. Greet your neighbors. Tell them about Jesus Christ. Go into the world and tell the world about Jesus Christ. So we are called because God loved us. God wants us to join him in his work. God loves you to join him in his process of salvation, bringing salvation to all the people in the world. He has kept you for a purpose. You have lived for a purpose. And this is what verse 2 says. Verse 2 says, For he said, In unacceptable time, I have had you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This verse I want to tell you a little bit of our story. I'm not here to preach expository preaching. I'm a missionary, so I tell you what happens on the ground. In 1963, my parents were in South Sudan. War came, 
chased them into Uganda. They lived from 1963 up to 1979. War also came out of Uganda. Plus the Ugandan, we all together ran into South Sudan. And we lived in South Sudan for several years. In 1983, another war also started in South Sudan. In 1986, we couldn't stay in our villages. What happened, the war came and swept us back with all the Ugandan refugees back into Uganda. We lived in Uganda for 23 years. I was born in exile in a refugee camp. And we, from Ugandans, Uganda, South Sudan got independent. We came back into South Sudan, thinking that we are coming to stay in our country forever. After moving back to South Sudan, we lived for only 10 years. In these 10 years, war broke out again. And when the war broke out, we also left, went back into Uganda in a refugee camp. We lived since 2016. Up to this year, I lived in Uganda. It was this year, January 7th, when I left and went back to our country. And why we went back? Because God is calling us to go back. And I went back to the country. This time of moving up and down, it was by the grace of God. This kind of wars that we have gone through, there are certain times of life where you feel like you cannot live anymore. There are certain times of life where you feel like the situation that you are going through, you may not survive. We prayed, hiding from bullets, hiding from the military guys, hiding from all those, lacking food to eat. We survived. Those times we cried out to God, cried out to God. God had us. Many died, but still we are here alive. Without any bullet on our body, without anything, it is God who protected us. So our God is God of mercy, God who hears the prayers of those who cry to him. You may not know how peaceful your country is until when you lose it. You may not know. When I came to America, everything is too much. Your cars are too big. Your roads are too wide. The food you eat, what we were taught, what we were taught, living in a refugee camp, growing up in a refugee camp, we were given simple doctrine. The food you are served on the table, eat it all. In your plate, finish everything in your plate. And if you have a chicken thigh, eat it clean. Don't leave some meat on it. It's a family rule. In America, some of you people are not grateful. I don't know why some of you are depressed. I don't know why some of you are stressed. Can we exchange? I don't know why many people are not grateful to God. You may not value it until when you lose it. The food that you pour out from your table, the food that you throw away and put it 
in your in your trust can or anything like that is a food that somebody would survive with it for two days. We lived in hunger. People starved. Until when I made this connection, it's you guys who helped me with this body. Today I'm big. It's because I've joined the American culture. <laughs> but many people are starving, dying, and hurting. And you are not grateful. Your children are not grateful. You pray to God. God heard your prayer. Many people worked for good to make you people what you are. And today, still many people are not grateful. We need to thank God. And the Bible says, in that acceptable time, I have had you. God had you when we were hurting, when we were going hungry, when our people were dying of malaria cholera, and all those kind of diseases in the camp. When we were doing several burials in the camps, God had us, and God was with us. And he even said, in that time that you were crying in bed, shivering with hot temperature, God had you. You may be sick, God had you. One thing that I'm hearing from the American culture, when, it is, when things are tough, they always say, God, where are you? If you are really there, are you really there? We don't do that. We don't question God. If you live for a day, you don't question God. We never question God. When you see people in our churches, they are the most, you can see the biggest smile on their faces, but they are hungry. They still love God, but their children are sick in the hospital without money for treatment, but they still love God, and they don't question God. And that has given us a trust. Why should we not trust God who is always there for us? Who is always there amid all the situation that we go through? There's one of the guys admitted in the hospital. He never sleeps. But every morning when you wake him up and when he gets up, when you greet him good morning, he will not say good morning. He will say Thank God. What he will say? Thank God. How are you feeling? Say, thank God. Can we reach to that level of faith? Of trusting Jesus Christ? And believing in him? Because our God is a God of hearing. He said, today is the day of salvation. And today is the day which is acceptable for you. To take Jesus Christ in your heart. And believe in him and trust in him for everything. I say this, I want to repeat. You may not know what you have until when you lose it. This is what we have gone through. And we have lost everything. Many people, after returning back home, they could not figure out where their home was. They couldn't find anything. Everything was destroyed. But still they trust the almighty God. In verse 3, verse 3 says this. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. We give no offense in anything. Now, that God has saved me. God has picked me out. And, you know, we planted several churches in Sudan, in the DRC, in Uganda, 
in Sudan and in Chad. In DRC, we planted 58 churches. And those 58 churches, how did we plant? It's because we tell, now God has given you the grace. You need to get out of the church and go and plant another church. This church is a big church. Our churches are not big. Our churches are not under any roof. Our churches are under mango trees and house churches. We planted 50 churches, 58 churches in Congo, and still we are planting more. And we, in Uganda, we planted over, over 130 churches in Uganda and South Sudan. And in Sudan, we planted over 200 underground churches because of the Muslim situation there. In Chad, we planted eight churches. Even as I speak, we are doing some work in Magadishu among the Somali people. And all those that we are doing, we are not doing it for ourselves. We are doing it because of the call and of the masses that God has sown and bestowed upon us. And this is what I want to say here. We give no offense to anyone that our ministry may not be blamed. We need to fight. We need to keep our toes in doing what we have confessed before people. And we need to plant those churches and follow them up. Lead many people to Christ and bring people to Christ. And let them come and see the goodness of the Lord. And that is what we are all about. And that is all that our people and our churches are looking to. In all this, in verse uh, for he said, but in all things, but in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. The Bible says we commend ourselves as ministers of God. Today, you have been baptized. There's no any other thing that you need. You are already a minister of God and a servant of God to go out and take the message of the Lord to the world. Amen. We need to be ministers. And a minister, not that minister who is escorted like the ministers of this world, but a minister in what? When you look down, the Bible says, I call you to be ministers of the word, but not cheap, cheap ministry. Do you think all these churches we planted, we planted them in peace? And this is what we say, for you to plant, for you to plant anything, you need to remove trees. And when you remove trees, and you need to remove the grass, clean the place up. And you know what? The enemy, the monkeys on, that, on those trees, that's their house. They will quarrel. The birds will start looking for their house. They will quarrel. When we started planting these churches, we didn't go through easy. It was painful. Some of our friends who went and started the planting churches, underground churches in Sudan. What actually happened? They planted several churches. The Sudan government started arresting them one by one because they were misleading people from Islam. And they started arresting them one by one and taking them to prison. And people started disappearing. Two of our pastors were arrested, and two others were followed after that, and others also followed after that. After that, they were put in prison. And you know what? Every morning, they were called out from prison. And they said, choose for yourself. You are here because you have left Islam. You are in an infidel. So for you to leave Islam, 
we are supposed to kill you. So the only thing is, we're going to beat you and we're going to flog you. If you accept to go back to the mosque and declare that you are a, a Muslim once again, go free. But if you don't declare, we're going to flog you and you're going back to prison. Two of our guys chose to remain in prison and they remained in prison and they couldn't make it. They died in prison. Every day, they were told, your liberty is in your tongue. Just say that you are Muslim. Go back to them. If not, we are going to torture you. They accepted to be tortured. They accepted to be beaten. They were beaten to the point of death. And they died. Their bodies were not known where their bodies are because of believing in the Christ and trusting in the Christ. The two were beaten and tortured until when the government of, of Marbashir was overthrown. When the government was overthrown, they were finally released. And when they came, they told us the story of how they were tortured for believing. But one thing that happened, when they were in prison, they led many people to Christ in prison because in prison there is no boundary. There is no boundage. Nobody could say anything. They led many people to Christ and they came back rejoicing. Now Paul said, I'm calling you to be a minister of such a situation. And Paul himself went through such a kind of ministry, went through the same pain that he suffered in imprisonment and in torture and in all kinds of things, of the same thing that our churches in Sudan went through. And Paul says this in verse 4, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God because you are reconciling the world to Christ, because you are called as an ambassador of Christ. You are a minister. Now, ministry in what? Ministry in much patience. Much patience. When you remember our brothers who are in prison, they chose to die. Patience that pays the price. That meekness of saying, I have the choice of living and of going free, but I choose Christ. I better die for Christ than dying for the world. And they accepted to die in that situation. They ministered with their own life. They ministered with all the physical torture for Christ. And at the end, some of them paid the price. It is not only them. Many died for Jesus Christ's name. Many died because of that. And Paul says, in much patience and in much tribulation, he also went ahead and says, in much needs and in much distress. I could remember sometimes that we could stay for the whole year without eating meat. We eat meat during Christmas. When it is Christmas time, we couldn't wait for that day, 25th, to eat meat. Our family could not afford because we have been running around. All the capital, all the investment were all destroyed. But one thing, we go to church every day eating leaves, eating things which are not really edible to survive. 
But here is what the Bible says. In a lot of needs, Paul went through needs, not wants, needs. But he still kept his heart with God. And the Bible says, church planting is not easy. And I want to say this. I want to thank God so much for pastor, for loving to do church planting. But church planting is not easy. It's difficult to be a minister of God in the world that Paul, our leader who planted many churches, he said, there are a lot of needs. There are a lot of distresses. We people are stressed because of what the enemy always do. He fights those who fight for the Lord. He fights for those who fight for the Lord. And he says in stripes, in imprisonment, in turmoils, in labor, in sleeplessness, in fasting. And just want to tell you, when we step back this year to my village in Kajokeji, some people came to our village and they massacred 30 people. Just people who are sleeping, doing their normal work. They came with the guns and started shooting them at random. What actually happened was they killed 30 people, two women, and one of the women whose children, that small boy with the red stripe on his uh, side, the mother tied that boy behind as an African mother, tied behind. We don't pull our children on trolleys and all those things. We don't have them. We ride with them on our back. So when she got out of the house, when she was stepping out of the house, the killer sought her on in her mouth and blew her neck and her brain out. All this boy was filled, the boy was filled with blood. And the killer saw, because those who are in military know what guns can do, the bullet took this woman and the woman fell on her back fell on that child who is on the leftist hand side, fell on that child. The killer saw the misery of the boy. When the boy was crying, he came and released the boy, picked that boy, sat the boy near the mother, and walked away. And this boy sat near the mother for 24 hours, the whole day and the whole night, not knowing that the mother was dead, Sitting there crying. The next morning, when all the dead bodies were collected to the Freedom Square, we were there. And when they brought that boy filled with the blood with all the siblings, his sibling, I just came and I said, God, we need that boy. Bring that boy. We need to take that boy to our church. I pointed that boy straight. They were taken to our church, clean the boy, clean the body, and gave him hope. Brothers, why we are evangelizing is to bring hope to such as children. We are evangelizing and teaching the word of God so that we can get our hands into the work of God. The work which we have been called for is costly. The work which we have been called to is not easy. But God said he has given us grace. He has given us grace in our time of need. 
that today God spared us to be able to wipe the tears in the eyes of these children. Today, these children are sitting in our church. Our cooks in, on the compound are taking care of them, mothering them and fathering them. Why is it all that? It is because God has changed our hearts and we have taken all our turmoils and believe in God and say, God, you can do it and you can finish this task as we are moving forward. So Paul also went through the same situation. It's not simple to take care of the church of God. That's why we are looking at building churches that can become refugee centers so that when people run, that during that day, when the killing started, people didn't run to the police, people didn't run to the government, people didn't run to the army, they ran to the church. They ran to the church and we took care of 3,000 people on our compound for three months. We took care of them and they lived with us. They slept in the church. Every house that they could find on our compound, they slept there and lived on our compound. And we did Bible study together with them, comforting them, consoling them. Why is it all that? It's because God called us just simple like this. Like what happened here. I came because I need to be saved. I didn't know today that I will be here in America preaching the name of Jesus Christ. What I came for was, I'm a sinner, Lord saved me. You also can find your place in the same ministry of God. Have you discovered your calling? Have you discovered what God has called you for? It may be painful, hurtful, not easy, but God has called you for many things. So in this, the Bible says, Paul says, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering. When we talk about long-suffering, people have to suffer. I hear many people in America, when you say suffering, and when they're suffering, they say, God, where are you, God? Where are you? Are you really here? Our people don't do that. Let me repeat that. Our people don't do that. We live day by day by the grace of God. We live day by day by the grace of God. And we don't question him. So I want to say this. That trust God. Believe in God. Whether you know too much about God or you even don't know anything about God. But trust him. Trust him. He will change your life and the ministers of God will teach. By knowledge, by, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, and by sincere love, by the word of God, and by the power of God, and by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left hand, by honor and by dishonor, by evil reports and good reports, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known. Now, let me just end up with this story. I know you Americans are good in looking at your watch and say, what is this African guy doing? He's wasting our time. We need to go. <laughs> Don't worry about the time for today because it is me here. And I'll be gone. Next week, you will keep your time. <laughs> I just want to tell you this one story. That when we were doing ministry, I was leading many people to Christ, and many people came to Christ. And uh, many people thought that I am a false teacher. 
they said the prophets who uh, the Bible says that they are going to do what? They are going to come has already come. And that person is me. So one of the guy came. He looked at me. I was seated in a public place, in a marketplace. He came and said, you, David, you're a false teacher. Say, you, our church is dying because of you. Say, but what concerns you about that? Well, that's not my problem. He said, if you say something, I'm going to slap you. I said, brother, what's wrong with you? He took, he gave me a hot slap. And I was like, man, are you serious? He said, I'm very serious. I'm going to do it again. If you say something, you are a false teacher. I said, what's wrong with you, my friend? Don't, 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 don't do it again. He gave me another slap. Second one. Okay? I told my friend Moses, I said, Moses, get this guy away from me. Get this guy away before I also reveal my real, real person. <laughs> and he got the guy. This guy stepped once, the first step, the second step, the third step. He felt and he broke both of his legs. And when he broke his legs, everything happened in public. And the elders looked and came to me and begged me and said, Pastor David, put this guy on your motorcycle, take him to the hospital. I put him on the motorcycle, took him to the hospital, took care of him, paid his medical bill and everything. The elders came and announced in the church and say, you guys need to leave these guys alone. Leave these guys alone. If you continue fighting, you have seen what God has done to this man, to this boy. He has revealed his miracle and his power that leave these people alone. Whatever happens, whatever they are doing, let them do it. That one gave me the strength and said, God, you are my defense. God, you are my miracle. God, you are my hope. I will never be afraid of you. I will do everything that happens. That's why up to today, I drive to DRC Congo, where there is fighting going on. I go to Sudan, where there is fighting. All the villages in Sudan, I drive to those villages without fear, knowing that the Lord is my shepherd, and I will never be afraid of any situation because he is there in taking care of me. So, ministers of God, you have found your place. There's a lot of preaching going on here. You are eating good food from the pulpit here. Get your place. Get your place where you will be able to preach the word of God to somebody. I'm inviting you to come to Africa. I'm inviting you to come to Africa to my village, come to my village, and we will go together. I know some of you might have not even shared your faith with anybody. Come and try it in Africa where nobody will know it. I promise you. Most of the people, most of the missionaries who have been taking a lot of Americans from here, they come to the village and they feel that people are going to fight them, and they go, may I tell you about Jesus Christ and their body? Their body keeps on saying, may I tell you about Jesus Christ? And they 
they will say some words and eventually say, do you want to accept Jesus Christ? Somebody say, are you, is that for you? Is it for you? Do you really need what to accept Jesus Christ? And after leading one person to Christ, they are on fire to do the work of God. You come and discover your calling. It may change your life. And when you come back, you will change this church too. You may be going for mission, but the mission will also mission on you. The mission will teach you a lot. Come to Christ. You have already been baptized. Go on mission and come and lead people to Christ. God is in Africa too. The Spirit is in Africa too. The Son is in Africa too. You need to come to Africa. Come and tell the name of Jesus Christ. Some of the doors that we can't open, you guys can open for us. There are many people whom we tried for years, they were not listening. But finally, when some of the Americans come, tears, tears of salvation, and they come to the Lord. May the Lord strengthen you. May the Lord put you on his mission. And God is calling you as a co-worker with him in his vineyard. Do your part and discover your calling and step out by faith and do what God has called you for. You may move us and help us move an inch in Africa in the will of God. The Great Commission is for you people and for us too. That's why I'm here today. So you also go to your world, to the utmost part of your world, and preach Christ and lead people to Christ. May God bless you and help you. Let us pray.